I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. Good morning, Noah. <laughs> good morning, Ben. And good morning, Marie. Good morning, guys. Actually, probably not morning for you, but uh, we're joined by Marie today from Llama Life, which is a task managing app. Marie, uh, want to tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah I, I think you kind of summed it up. It's a uh, task management app, but um, it tries to take a little bit more of a, a fun angle to it um, with a bit of personality. And essentially what it lets you do is add a countdown timer to every task on your to-do list. And the, the concept behind that is a concept called time boxing, which just kind of mentally puts you in the right space to focus on one task at a time uh, before moving on to the next one. So it's really about helping you work through a to-do list versus just making a list itself. Yeah, I, I actually I'm a big fan of time boxing when it comes to meetings at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because oh, yeah. those those tend to run long and you know if you can time box them, that's great. Um so so you're basically in the task managing space, which is pretty crowded. <laughs> <laughs> it is, um, yeah. How how do you get started there? Um, well, it um it started off as a coding uh, exercise to be honest. So I'm, mm. I'm a pretty new developer. I taught myself to code uh, around a year and a half ago. And wow. it's, um, yeah, it's something I always wanted to do. You know, I've always been kind of tech savvy, but I've never worked in a technical role. Um, my, my career before this was in advertising and branding, and I did that for about 10 years. And wow. yeah, I guess I, I always just wanted to be able to build stuff myself. Um, I've built, um, I've actually worked at a number of different startups in the past. I've founded, uh, f I think, five different businesses before this. And I've always played more of the product manager marketing type role in those businesses. But yeah, I just always wanted to be able to build my own things. And if I had a, a random idea, I wanted to be able to quickly mock it up and put out an MVP. So a year and a half ago, I started teaching myself to code and you know, when you're learning to code, you always kind of do a to-do list. It's a it's a really good exercise to be able to learn how to create <laughs> yeah. create things and edit them. And um, um, I think they call it CRUD, right? Sort of manipulate the data. Yeah. And so I was just doing that. And I um, I thought, you know, this is actually a space I've, I've always been interested in. And why don't I actually turn it into a, an actual product? And when I had a really basic version up, I shared it on Twitter and I got some positive comments. So I thought I might as well see if I can build it out. And yeah, it just kind of became its own thing. Yeah, this is pretty awesome because now, you know, with your background and what you've done originally, now you have basically all the skills you need to uh, run your own business all by yourself. That's 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 pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because like from a marketing branding point of view, that's um, actually that's probably the hardest thing to be honest. Like the buildings, mm -hmm. the buildings, um, it's got its own challenges, but it's quite um, it's quite tangible and specific. So if you say I want to build this, you can kind of research how to do that. You can launch it and you can make it exactly how you want, and you know what the response is going to be. But if you are doing marketing, it's just very I mean, sometimes it's a bit hit or miss, isn't it? And sometimes it's just luck as well. Who sees what you're marketing, um, how people respond to it. 
And there's also a bit of a time delay, I think. So when you're building something, you put it out there, it's it's built, that's it, right? And when you do marketing, sometimes there's a bit of a, um, a delay. So you put it out and it might be weeks before you get any response and you kind of feel like, well, that's just a wasted effort. Nothing happened. And then weeks later, it comes back and then suddenly blows up. So it's a, it's a very different mindset to be in, I think, to do both those, yeah, I, those sides. I, I think we both agree on that because we, you know, <laughs> we both have like the technical background. And for us, that's like one of the biggest challenges doing market, like getting marketing right, getting distribution channels to work. Mm. And so you probably got an advantage on us there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was... I forget who's who's this other uh, indie hacker I've been following on Twitter um, in a little group with him and his name's Ryan. I forget his last name, but he started out in sales and um, yeah, he's just like killing it because he also just taught himself how to code in the last year mm-hmm. and he kind of already has like the sales, you know, background of just going and like hitting the road and like talking to customers, uh, selling uh, his products and stuff. And so now that he can like build a product, like that's, it's like a super superhero, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you can kind of do all the things. And, um, I don't know, like I, I see a lot of developers out there, you know, that people have the, the technical software backgrounds that can struggle a lot with business, you know, starting a business and stuff. Um, so if you're coming from the other side, like you kind of have all the other pieces. So if, you know, if you can, can build the product, like you're, you're, I feel like you're have a really good start on, on a lot of it. So that's pretty awesome. Mm. Pretty inspirational too, that in, in a, just a year and a half, um, you know, you just taught yourself how to code and now you're already got a business going on it. So. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. It's obviously the learning's ongoing, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it was, that's, that's kind of what I set out to do was, you know, could I, can I build something from scratch and launch it all by myself doing all the different roles? And I do feel, you know, I do feel like I've achieved that to a degree, but it's, um, you know, it's far from a successful business yet. It's still very, very small. And um, just to give you, you guys an idea, it's at 331 paid customers at the moment. And, um, yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's not too shabby though. That's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. So it launched in August in August 2020. So what's that? And maybe about 8 months or so. Yeah. Yeah. So so one thing I'm I'm curious about because the market is so competitive and prices are pretty well it, it's mm. pretty hard to compete on pricing, right? And people are yeah. probably not willing to pay a ton for it. Is that something like, are you worried about that? Because you already like, you, you kind of nudged in that direction that you, you need a lot of, a lot of volume, right? You need a lot of mm. people to, to really make it work. Um, what's, what's your thinking about around that? Yeah, no, I, I agree that this, the productivity market is, is really crowded. And what I'm trying to do is not go after all of it. I'm really trying to go after a small niche. Um, and, and this kind of, developed over time as well. So I didn't really know this when I when I first launched the product, but over time as people started to use it and give feedback, um, the feedback that I was getting was that they really liked the fact that it wasn't a high pressure tool. So I got a lot of comments saying, um, you know, this is great because it doesn't make me, you know, feel too overwhelmed. 
Um, the llama is quite funny. You know, it just feels lighthearted. <laughs> and um, someone, someone actually said, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that have this kind of hustle culture about them. And this doesn't feel like that. Even though at the end of the day, the outcome that I'm trying to get and the, the, the benefit I'm trying to bring to people is the same, which is, you know, make the most of your day and get through all the stuff you need to do. Um, I think what I'm trying to do is just create a different tone around it. So it's still got the same outcome, but it gets you there feeling in a different way. Yeah, I can actually attest to that. Like when I visited the, the site for the first time, I was like, hey, that's that's interesting because it's kind of different. Mm. <laughs> so what's what's up with the llama? Like how did that actually <laughs> come yeah, about? the llama. And yeah, I love the, the name llama. Too. Thank you. Um, so that came about from... Ooh, I think it was maybe, I want to say like 2017, I think it was. Um, this is way before COVID hit. But I went on a on a holiday to Peru and uh, kind of did like the Inca Trail and all of that stuff. Mm. And as part of the trip, um, our tour guide took us to this little village. It was, actually a, it was actually a little bit outside of Peru. And this was like a super cool village. There's maybe like 20 people in the whole place and it was really low tech. Um, they had no running water, they had no electricity, they had no internet or anything like that. And um, one thing that struck me when I was there, um, so we had lunch with them, was just that like they were super calm, super relaxed, um, and they just seemed really happy and content. And that, that feeling just stuck with me. So when I created Llama, I was thinking, you know, what can I name this that would create something similar? Um, and yeah, and then it just it just became Llama, or actually Llama Life. But um, the Llama Life came from customers as well because I, I originally just called it Llama, and they they kept calling it Llama Life. So I was like, okay, well, I guess it can be Llama Life then, and <laughs> I just changed it to that. And so someone actually said to me, um, you know, I, I want to live the Llama Life, and that became a bit of a phrase that I've been using as well. That came from a couple of different customers. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty funny. So that's the, a great. That's a great story. Yeah, that is <laughs> how that all came about. <laughs> yeah. Um, curious. Like, where did you get the the llama life, uh, like images and stuff? Did Did you make those, or did you find someone to make that cool llama? Yeah. So I got them from Adobe Stock. Um, one cool tip with Adobe Stock is that you can sign up and you get to use it for a couple of weeks. And within that free trial period, you can download, like, I think it's 10 images and you get the license to those 10 Im images. And even if you don't go ahead with your free trial, you can still keep them. So I ended up getting the llama image from there. And then I tweaked it a little bit. So I put some, you know, sunglasses on it and I kind of created this background, <laughs> this glowing yellow background behind this meditating llama. Um, so it's a combination of a stock image that I got the license to, and then I just Photoshopped it a little bit. Nice. Good way to use that uh, free trial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm also a little curious because you said you only taught yourself to code like one and a half years ago, but you have been, you have been developing or producing <laughs> more to say apps before that. Right. So mm. you probably had some devs that you contracted with. Yeah. Um, and yep. then at some point you decided that's not <laughs> not the ideal way, maybe. Um, but yep. how did that actually work? 
Yeah, so so you're right. So it was a combination of different things. So for the first couple, I was contracting out. Um, and basically, I'd go on a service where you could, um, it was, you know, Upwork. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Upwork. So you basically post a, a job that you want to do and what the scope is. And then developers will, will reply back and say, I can do it for this much. And you just go through a ton of different responses you get. You pick somebody they deliver it and you keep working that way. So that was, um, that was the way I, f I built my first app. Um, and that was, that was okay. It's, um, if, if that's something, if that's a path people want to go down, that's, it's definitely achievable. Uh, the main thing was that, you know, there was a lot of hands-on and a lot of sort of micromanaging of all the tasks and every little bit that you wanted to develop. And, I had to spend a lot of time breaking it down into small steps going, okay, well, for this this piece of work, um, we're just going to do this small section first and maybe that's going to be eight hours of work and um, let's complete that first and see how it goes. If it's good, we'll continue and we'll do, you know, the next piece of the project. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of micromanagement to do that and um, a lot of checking in and making sure that the, the work came back, um, came back right. But it, it did help. I mean, I managed to launch quite a few products that way. Um, after doing that for a little bit, I met a co-founder who happened to be a technical co-founder. So it was kind of a, you know, it was a bit of a, it, it was a means to an end in a way because I got the experience working with devs and I could show a developer that, you know, I can make the product, I have, I can market the product and that kind of attracted this co-founder to say, Hey, um, let's work together and create something else. So I created it. Yeah. <laughs> so then I created a couple of products with, um, my co-founder and, um, yeah. And then after a while I decided I, I, I wanted to learn how to do this myself. And it was just a lot easier because, you know, if there was a little tweak that I wanted to make, I could just go and do that. Um, it wasn't kind of this long process to either scope it out for someone else to do and, you know, have a long discussion about, you know, should we do this or should we not do it? So now, now I'm basically a solo founder. And if I want to do something, mm -hmm. I just, I just do it and I'll see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, I'll change it back. So there's a lot of kind of tweaking and testing different things. It's, and it's a lot easier to do that when you have control of the code uh, yourself. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, but that's actually also the hard part, right? Like how did you after having so many projects or well, a couple of projects, yep. how did you decide to stop those, but keep on working uh, on, on Llama life? Like what's the, what's the point you knew that you wanted to pursue that one? Yeah. So, so when I say I've worked on a number of projects, um, this is over quite a long time. So there's five in total was well, actually five that actually launched. There's probably 10 overall. So some just didn't <laughs> even make the cut. Um, and this is going back to 2014. So, um, yeah, over the years, I kind of, they, they launched and they died and then launched again and died. So it wasn't that I had five projects that I was working on at the same time and then pitched Llama. It was more that, you know, those other ones had finished completely and mm, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually, um, um, yeah, I was actually trying to figure out what to do next. If I was going to go back to maybe a corporate gig and do that for a bit or do my own business and then. Well, and then COVID hit and I was like, well, I might as well try and do my own thing for a while. Uh, I'm in Melbourne. So we were locked down for, 
I don't know, maybe like four, four or five months. It was a hard lockdown. And luckily, uh, it turned out pretty well because there's very low levels of the virus here in Australia at the moment. But there was this period uh, in Melbourne specifically where we couldn't really do anything. So for me, it was like, well, should I look for a job during this time or should I just, you know, go all in on teaching myself to code? And I chose the latter. And I'm, I'm really glad I did because now I feel <laughs> I feel quite empowered to do stuff because I feel like, I, you know, even though I don't know everything about coding, I can always look it up. I can Google stuff and it might take me a little bit longer than other people, but it will still come together eventually. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty cool that you've, you've had like those kind of like those three different kind of experiences you're talking about. Like you've, you've worked with other developers, you've had a co-founder, technical co-founder, and then you've done it like all your, on your own. Like, what would you, you know, coming from that, like advise people, you know, that want to start a business kind of in their situation, like, yeah, what would you advise them? Like, would you tell them like you should try to learn to code or work with other people or yeah, how would you think about that for other people? Yeah, so it's always hard to give advice because you don't really know what the other person's situation is. But right. I, I definitely believe you don't have to learn how to code to launch a product, especially nowadays. Um, you know, you've got the no code movement. You've got so many no code tools out there and it's, it's quite easy to to get up and running with those um, i think it also depends what your goal is so if you're just trying to test an idea and launch maybe an mvp uh, it might be a basic landing page maybe just collecting some emails you, you certainly don't need to learn to code to do that uh, my in my case one of my reasons was just that you know i've, I've always wanted to do it and it was going to be a nice challenge for me and because of COVID lockdown, kind of all these things came together. And I was like, well, if there's any time to learn to code, it's, it's now. And that was, it was more like a personal challenge for me, but there are other benefits like we talked about earlier, which is being able to make changes very quickly, um, being able to make things exactly how you want them. So with Llama's website, most of that's just custom uh, CSS. And if I want it to behave in a certain way, I can, I can make it do exactly what I want. And sometimes with the no code tools, you might not be able to do, you know, you might not be able to get as specific, but um, yeah, I would, I would say it really comes down to what, what your goal is, what, what you're trying to launch, what you're trying to achieve personally, but it's certainly not, it's certainly not a requirement to launching a new business or a new idea or testing a new idea. It might be later down the line. So you might launch a, an MVP with no code, but as the product develops, you might find that, well, actually, we need to build it out now. And that's when you can go and partner with a developer or hire a developer or maybe find a technical co-founder. So I really think it just depends on the person's situation and maybe also the business that they're building, you know, what, what kind of business that is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty solid advice for sure. Um, so I saw on... Uh, well, I guess talking about your your landing page because you mentioned that a little bit. Um, I really yeah. I really like uh, what you do with the landing page, especially I like your call to action button uh, that I noticed um, is kind of blurred out. And then when you you hover over it, it says, "Give me focus," which is 
just like uh, a perfect. Maybe maybe that's some of your uh, past marketing skills uh, coming into play there. But yeah, where did you come with that idea? That's pretty pretty uh, cool. Yeah, that was so random. So this is coming off a tweet that <laughs> that happened. I think it was last night. Uh, Kenneth, I think Kenneth tweeted it out. Um, but yeah, basically, so the, the the CTA button says "Give me focus," and it's all blur. And as you hover over it, it, it basically comes into focus. And um, yeah, that almost didn't make the cut. So I <laughs> was putting out the first version of the landing page, and you know, I sent it to a few friends on WhatsApp, and I said, "Hey, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about doing this little effect on the on the CTA button." And the feedback I got was, you know, it's kind of cool, but People might not get it and they might get confused. Um, so maybe don't put it in just for clarity's sake because, you know, one of the things you want to do when creating a website is it's got to be really clear what the product is about and what you want mm -hmm. the user to do. Like click the button. Like why would I click the button? It's going to do this for me. So, you know, I kind of went back and forth on it for, I don't know, not that long, maybe, maybe a couple of hours. And... As I was thinking about it, I went on to CodePen, um, and CodePen is 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 awesome. Like to get lots of different ideas, I, I subscribe to their newsletter, and I love reading all the examples that come in every every week. Um, so I was on CodePen, and I was looking at CTA buttons, and this one person, I can't remember who it was, but this one person had uh, a pen set up, and it had maybe like. 20 or 30 buttons and the purpose of that pen was just to show different effects so there are all sorts of things where you know blurring was one of them but there was all sorts of animations that they had on different buttons and i just saw the blur effect and i was like you know what that just fits so perfectly um so i put that in and um it's actually a lot harder to achieve than i thought so it's not just a standard blur because <laughs> yeah it's 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 always a way isn't it but um it, it works so it worked really well on Chrome, and then when I tried to do it in Safari, it, it wouldn't work. Um, the blur oh, just got yeah. really um, jittery, and uh, so then I had to put. I basically had to force it into doing some kind of 3D mode, um, which takes a little bit more grunt, like a little bit more power, but it um, means that it works across Safari and Chrome now. But um, it's 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 funny because that button is probably the the best marketing I've ever had. For, for yeah. the whole website like i've tried a lot of different things um you know i do random tweets or i might i mean trying to reach out to different press like outlets and journalists but haven't had that much luck but just people talking about the button that's probably generated the most awareness for the product uh, than, than any of the other efforts and it was one of those things that just came together super quick so like sometimes it's just luck isn't it it's just random and it's yeah. just a bit of luck <laughs> yeah but i think people do remember that like those small interactions <laughs> well yeah, yeah plus because it's it's so like it's unique like you don't usually see that like you're saying on a call to action button it's like usually people are making that like as big as in your face or you can read it as clearly as possible mm. and and so just to not to be like kind of the opposite of that like you're saying like it's it's blurred out um it kind of is like, hey, what's going on here? It probably makes people like kind of like second guess what's happening and then like take a second look and then they're like, oh, that's actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody was saying on Twitter they thought it was broken, <laughs> but that made them, but that actually made them look at it more closely, like you said, and 
then they're like, oh, actually, then what happens is the payoff is larger as well because they get this moment where they're kind of surprised or maybe delighted a bit going, oh, okay, that's what it's trying to trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah it, it's worked really well. And somebody somebody commented on Twitter, you know, you should you should make the button its own website or that button deserves its own website. So I, I actually <laughs> I actually just bought a domain a couple of hours ago. So the button says give me focus. So I bought the domain give me focus dot today. And <laughs> I think over the weekend I might just knock up a really quick website that has um the button on it, like in the middle of the page. And then all around it I'll just I'll try and find some effect that's just really chaotic. Um so when you when you load the page, it'll just be chaos, and then when you hover over the button, all that chaos will just disappear. And then when you mm-hmm. click the button, it'll it'll divert to um, the Llama Life website. I think I'm going to try and do that this I weekend. I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those random things. It's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. You know, and it also gives me a break from working on the product because sometimes yeah. you know you just want a bit of. Do something that's a bit separate, a bit creative, and you know. yeah, I think maybe I need one of those breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so, yeah, so hard, much, so it? much to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You... that actually brings me to to another question, which would be, how do you split your time between marketing efforts and uh, and developing the product any further? Because that's kind of where we're, you know, like the yeah. situation where we're kind of stuck, or well, not stuck, but it's it's pretty hard to. Yeah, I think we were just talking about that. Yeah. Oh, we were? (laughs) Well, last week, weren't we? On the pod. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hard one, right? Especially if you're, you know, a solo maker because you only have so many hours in a day. But, um, yeah, for me, it's usually what I do. It's um, if I get sick of one, I switch to the other. That's kind of how I I do it. (laughs) Um, Maybe it should be a little bit more planned than that. But right now it's more... I'm, it's more like, what am I feeling at the moment? Do I want to do some dev work or do I want to do some marketing? And I like having the switch because, you know, if, you, if you're doing one thing for too long, you can get stuck. And especially being on your own, you can just get in, get stuck in your own head, go around in circles. Uh, and that's when I know it's time to shift to do something else. But it, But it is really hard because as soon as I take my foot off marketing, as soon as I stop talking about the product on Twitter or elsewhere, you know, sales just go down. It's it's at that early stage where, you know, it's 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 very everything's very reactive to what you're putting out. So um, mm-hmm. one of the things I'm trying to do is generate a baseline level of awareness for the product. So I'll have a you know a, a regular stream of sales just based on me doing nothing. That's maybe there's some um, you know SEO. I've got to build up SEO. I think that will help. And maybe get a few press articles out there, and that way that the product's always out there, kind of working for itself. And on top of that, I'll do some marketing events where I'll get some spikes and bring in extra sales. But right now, the baseline level of marketing or baseline level of awareness is just zero. Um, so yeah, it just you just feel it more because of that. So that's something yeah, I'll be working on that's... in the next few weeks. I think that's pretty much what we're seeing too, right? Yep. No, like I'm when, in the same spot. When, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I mean, I agree with what you're saying though. And I think that's why I love being a solo founder is it is, it is kind of fun to be able to switch back and forth between all the different things that you have to do as a solo founder. And it's, it's, it's yeah, it's kind of fun. Cause you know, I do like software development, but I, I need like a why for it. Like I need a reason to do it and the marketing and the product and, and like, you know, talking to people like that kind of gives me the why. Cause then it's like, Oh, this person says they need this and I want to help this person. And, or, you know, I want to build this thing so that I can, uh, well, I want to market so that I can share like what I'm building. So like it, it kind of like builds on each other and, um, it, it is kind of fun to be able to do what you're doing. You're saying where it's like, uh, I just kind of do what I feel like doing. And, uh, I mean, there's so many things to push on and, you know, as long as you're kind of working on all of them and pushing on those things, like, you know, you're making progress. Um, so I don't know. I think that's one of the funnest things about indie hacking probably. Yeah. Just the, just the variety that you have, right. Cause you have to play every single role. You get a taste of every yeah, single yeah. piece of it. Um, For sure. but yeah, the, the marketing thing is, it, it's, it's really tough. Um, it's really tough. And it's one of those things like people always say, you know, People, there's this phrase out there, people go, well, ideas are nothing, executions, everything, right? You've heard that, obviously. Like, but mm -hmm. they never talk about, well, I, you need the idea, you need the execution, but you also need the marketing side of it. And the marketing side is just something people don't talk about much. And if you've, anyone who's ever launched a product knows that that's the thing that can kind of, it almost lets you down in a way. Um, you can have a, the, the most amazing product in the world, but if no one knows about it, then that's it. <laughs> you know, that's it. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, I can almost, you can almost rephrase that to execution and ideas are nothing if distribution isn't there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's it. That's exactly it. Right. Well, you can just enjoy it yourself. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and I think mentioned... it also, it also takes time. I think it also takes time. Yeah. That's one of the things I'm, you know, I'm quite impatient sometimes. And I, I really like it when I see results straight away or, you know, within a few days, but, you know, sometimes a, a post that you do two months ago can actually, someone discovers it randomly and then that just blows up and you, at the yeah. time you, you feel like there was no impact or you wasted effort doing that, but it, it eventually comes around, you know, if it's, if it's content that's living out, out there on the internet, it's, it usually comes back around at some point. Yeah. Speaking of marketing, I, I noticed on your Twitter account, every so often you post a picture of R2D2 um, and some numbers. Um, I was just curious, like, what, what's the story be behind R2? <laughs> oh my God, R2. Um, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I want to say like I'm a massive Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars, but there are heaps more people out there that are more into it than I am. But I went to see, uh, which movie was it? It was Rogue One. So this was a while back. Rogue One was in the cinema. And um, <laughs> R2 was actually part of like a, a drink popcorn deal. So the popcorn was in R2. Like it's it's actually a container. So the head comes off mm. and the popcorn was inside. So I got it as part of that kind of meal deal. And um, I just use it to hold my coffee pods at the moment. So I have this little whiteboard um, right next to my coffee machine. It's super tiny. Uh, I don't know if you can tell from the photos, but it's it's like, um, uh, let's see, probably like 
30 centimeters by 20 centimeters. So it's quite small. It's like a mini whiteboard. And mm -hmm. on the whiteboard, it just shows my paid customer numbers. And I keep a, a running tally of the total and how many customers uh, I've got this week. And every morning when I make my coffee, I just update the board because there's no way I'd skip my morning coffee. So I know I'm going to remember to update it. And it's just become a habit now, like make coffee while it's while it's brewing, uh, just update the numbers, go check Stripe on my phone, get the numbers from yesterday and just um, update the total. But it, it's- That's it's, a, that's a great routine. <laughs> what's that? It's a great routine. <laughs> that's that's a great routine. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's always in my face as well. Like I always see it because it's in the kitchen, right? So even after I update the numbers in the morning when I'm making lunch or dinner, like it's just right there and I'm looking at them going, okay, well, I really need to step it up this week or you know, or I've had a good week this week. Um, what did I do that maybe I could repeat in the next week? But I think that the main thing for me is that it's in my face like all the time and that helps a lot. Yeah. So is that something that you post like that picture on Twitter, like every day or just so or randomly or yeah. How do you um, actually like market that out? Yeah, so it wasn't wasn't really I wasn't really thinking about it as as marketing. Uh, it was kind of just this thing I was putting out. You know, the whole build in public movement. I was just like, yeah, I'll just put it out. It's it's what it's quite random at the moment, but I should probably do it. I should probably just do it once a week, like at the end of the week. Then it's a bit easier to track. Like, okay, this is what's happened for this week. But right now, it's just like, oh yeah, I haven't posted it in a while. I'll just put it out there. So yeah, I probably should put a bit more structure around that. But um, yeah, everyone everyone loves R two. Everyone's everyone comments about R two all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty pretty funny. It's a, it's a good way to do it because, like you're saying, like the the building public movement, sharing MRR stuff like that is you know everyone's mm. kind of doing it now. It feels like it kind of just like yeah. blew up or something over yeah. the last year. I don't know why, <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, you know, a way for you to do that in a, a unique way, again, kind of like your, your call to action button, like just different from other people, but, you know, still like the interesting data that people want to see, but just doing it in a way that they're like, remember that that's, that's pretty clever. Mm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the key with marketing, isn't it? It has to be something that's a little bit, little bit different or a little bit unique. And, and that's when people yeah, a little remember out it. There. There's, yeah, there's just so much stuff going so, so much stuff happening all the time like what would make you stop and look at something and actually this is one of the things I learned when I was doing my sort of advertising branding career was you know we, we used to work with a lot of big brands and we would measure the effectiveness of their advertising and one of the metrics we'd look at was something called stop and look right so it comes more from print advertising like magazine advertising but when someone's like flipping through a magazine what what would make them stop and look at that page? And that became this, this metric that all the brands were looking at. Well, what's our stop and look metric? Um, and it was always reported as a percentage. And because we were a large company, we had this metric for, I don't know, like thousands and thousands of brands. So we could create this, um, like an average, like a normative database and say, okay, well, here's where your ad is in terms of its performance of stop and look versus all the other all the other brands but it does make me think like okay well what what's something that would make people go oh yeah what's this versus all the other 
noise that's out there. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it's actually something my mom always drilled into us as well. So it's me and my brother, and my mom always used to tell us like, oh, you need to be, you know, to stand out, you have to be a little different or a little creative. And um, we went through this period when we were kids where we would just win like all the coloring competitions. Like, you know, when, you know, when you're young, like you, when you're at school, like I'm talking maybe when you're like six or seven years old, right? And there'd be a coloring competition. And like, how do you, how do you win a coloring competition, right? You, you don't just Wait, color within lines. what is a coloring lines. competition? <laughs> oh, you don't have those where you are? It's, so you I, might I, get... don't, I haven't done them. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's basically just, you know, people, you basically like have a, you know, a, a drawing or something and you have to color it in and um, everyone colors in the same drawing and then you pick a winner. It's just something just like, like kids would do. Just like the one that looks the best or? Well, or... That, so that's that's the thing, right? So how do you pick the winner? And this is what my mom <laughs> used to say. Um, you can't just color within the lines. Like that doesn't make your drawing like the winner because what if someone else is just as good as coloring, you know, within the lines? So she used to say, well, you've got to make a difference. So what we used to do, um, and this worked all the time. Like I'm serious. My, we won so many competitions. We won like bikes. Actually, my brother won more than me, but. He won like bikes, like, I don't know, just heaps of toys. Um, but basically what we would do is uh, say there was a picture of Santa Claus, right? And you're coloring that in. Instead of just coloring like his beard, like a, well, white, I guess white's not really a color, but <laughs> what we would do was like, we'd, we'd glue like cotton cotton balls on there, um, right? So it's sort of, like really different. You go, ooh, this is different. Like, I'll stop and look at that one, right? <laughs> Um, and some, or you could, um, or you could put like sugar on it. So you put glue on his, where his beard is, you just sprinkle like some white sugar and then it's like, oh, that's got texture. That's different. That stands out. Mm. So we used to do stuff like that all the time. Like we'd stick stuff on or we'd just make it look a bit different because if you had two, two, two images, right. And they were both colored in really nicely. Which one are you going to pick? Like it has to have something above and beyond the normal mm -hmm. stuff um so yeah that's kind of always stuck with me i guess that's a pretty great metaphor <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like uh you guys were coloring experts uh in your childhood <laughs> I, I don't even think we were the no i don't even think we were the best colorers it was just it looked different that's all it was um yeah yeah um so just to let you guys know apparently where be uh on their free uh, trial has now limited to uh yeah. a time limit so we're about to get kicked but uh <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah, that's yeah. i, I guess that's uh, minutes, some right? ways uh some ways for you to kind of uh or, or tips for how we can all up uh get our, our mrr up um add some limits um to our plans <laughs> our free plans <laughs> um but yeah we can jump back in if it kicks us mm, um okay i was so i was wondering um, so you were talking about, which I was kind of surprised because, you know, a lot of indie hackers are, you know, working the full-time job, they're working their, their normal gig, <clears throat> and then they're building a business on the side. Um, but somehow you've managed to, you know, build Llama Life um, full-time and I, you don't need to share like all your financials or anything like that. But I'm just curious, <laughs> like how, how did you, yeah, how did you work it out to be able to... Um, you know, have the runway or just be able to work mm. on it full time? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good question. And 
I get this, I get asked this quite a bit. Um, and I, I do think it's quite, I do think it's, I do think it's hard for people to compare to other people. Like it's sometimes a little dangerous mm-hmm. without giving context. So I'll, I'll give a heap of context. So if someone else is, is looking at this or listening to this, they can have a reference point. I think that's the main thing, a reference point, but not necessarily do the same journey because everybody's different. Um, but I worked for, you know, 10 years in advertising and branding. Um, I managed to work my way up the you know, the career ladder I was in quite a senior position uh, by the end of that. And I was earning, you know, a decent amount. And I managed to put away a lot of savings. Um, I also don't have a family to support, right? So I don't have any dependents. So I think, you know, if you're someone listening and you have, you know, ch- kids to support, mm-hmm. you know, some people have large families, like it's a completely different situation. You might have a mortgage, um, people have different size mortgages. It really, uh, it comes down to the individual. So for me, uh, it's just myself and I have my dog Homer. Um, I do have a mortgage, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been factored in, uh, if you like. And between the different startups that I had, I did go back to corporate work for, um, a little bit in between. And I think because I'm later in my career, it was easier to go, okay, well, I'm just going to jump back into a senior role. Um, some people, if they go straight into startups when they're really young, say maybe they've just come out of university or maybe they're still in university and they've gone and done a startup, they don't have the same, uh, they don't have the same work experience. So you can obviously gain other skills from doing a startup, but it's not as easy to go back into the workforce and go, well, I'm just going to do, you know, a couple of years working back in corporate replenish the savings, go crazy, like saving up as much as I can, because I know I want to jump back into another business and do that. So for me, it was more, you know, I'd kind of worked my way up to a certain level. Um, I'm always going to stay around that level if I have to go back into the workforce. And I only have to go back into the workforce for a very short time to kind of replenish anything I've lost. Um, And my expenses are pretty low, to be honest. Like I don't have a lot of uh, I don't have a lot of wants. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel lack, but I don't really. I'm not that extravagant, you know. I don't really <laughs> spend a lot, and uh, I'm fine just eating like really simple dinners and that kind of thing. So just being really careful with with money that way. But um, yeah, that kind of will give people a reference point. But it really, it really depends on your individual situation because. I've had a lot of people say, I'm working, you know, a nine to five job. I want to learn to code. Like how much time do I need to spend learning to code? Uh, you know, how long did you do it? How many hours a day did you spend doing it? And I was like, well, here's what I did, but you really shouldn't compare because you might, you know, if I take one year doing it, you might need to take two years because you've got, you know, three or four kids to support and it's different and you can't take that risk. For me, quitting my job was, the only risk was myself, right? It's like, well, if you can support yourself, you're good. I didn't have to think about mm-hmm. supporting kids or long-term, you know, if your kids are going to college or whatever, you have to put away savings for that. Um, that's not to say I don't want kids, but just at this stage, they're not uh, they're not sort of a factor mm-hmm. in terms of me starting my own business. Yeah. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty great setup to to do what you're doing and build the kind of business that you're building, uh, which is pretty pretty awesome. Um, 
So do you, do you kind of see yourself always bootstrapping or did you ever think like, oh, I should go raise some money or are you planning to go in that Mm -hmm. direction or what do you, yeah, what are you thinking there? Yeah. You know, I would, I don't, it's, I don't know is the answer because, um, I, in my, one of my previous startups, I did raise money. It, It wasn't, it wasn't a large check. It, um, it wasn't actually something I was seeking at the time. It kind of just happened. It was like, it was luck again. Uh, I had a meeting with a, had a meeting with a VC very early on, but it wasn't a meeting to raise money at that time. It was more just a meeting to say, um, I'd love to get some advice. And I got introduced to that VC from somebody else. So it was, um, you know, it's always better when you get a warm, a warm intro and that was that this guy gave me advice for half an hour and then I didn't hear from him for months and months and months. And then out of the blue, uh, I guess another VC were looking to make a small investment somewhere. And this person that I spoke to the first time just went, Hey, you should go talk to Marie. (laughs) So it was like super, super random. Right. And we just had one meeting, uh, a couple of phone calls, and then one in-person meeting and they were like, here, here, take this check. And I was like, okay, uh, can you give me the weekend to think about it? So this was on a Friday. And um, during that weekend, I'm like download- downloading all these books of Amazon <laughs> to read up on like fundraising and, you know, term sheets and like what what is a good, you know, what are some good numbers? Like I had no idea. So the whole weekend I'm like reading up on this and then on Monday uh, – yeah, I signed, I signed a term sheet and that was that. But the, the, the thing is it's, it's really tricky. So that was for, that was for a business I was running on my own. And as soon as I got the first check, I was, I was like, okay, I'm in fundraising mode now. Let me go try and raise some more because I've, you know, I've got my lead investor and, um, this is the time. Like if you get a lead investor, you should maybe try and get a few others. Uh, and so I spent all my time doing that, putting together pitch decks, uh, taking meetings, um, following up, uh, trying to figure out like the best investors to, to reach out to. And because I spent all my time doing that, I didn't work on my product and I started to, the product numbers started to go down. Um, so it was like this classic case of, you know, not spending enough time in one area mm-hmm. and that product ended up failing. Uh, and if I trace it back, like, I don't want to say it was just because I was raising money, but if I, that was a huge part of why it didn't succeed. Cause I didn't spend enough. It just lost all momentum. Mm-hmm. All the momentum just went away and it was really hard to get it back after that. Um, so I don't know. The answer is I, I don't know if I'd do it again. I, I am, it would have to be the right fit. It would have to be mm-hmm. the right fit. And, uh, yeah, it would have to it have to make sense for the stage I'm at. Um, I'm not sure though. Yeah, not sure. Yeah, which is a total valid answer. Could you <laughs> could you see Llama Life becoming like a bigger company with some employees that you manage and like what's the, what's the plan for the future? I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, possibly. I I can see it becoming that way. So I think that the positioning of Llama is. I do feel like it's a little bit different. Like we were saying before, it's meant to be a little bit more low, low pressure. There's a bit more focus on well-being as well, right? It's this, it's a task manager, but it's, 
it's really about making you feel good and making completing tasks feel fun and something you want to do. So I, I do feel like it's a little bit different to the other task managers out there. I can see it being quite polarizing. That's already happening now. So some people look at it and I, I reach out to customers if they, you know, if they lapse or they um, don't convert from the free trial. And a lot of people just say like, it's a cool product, but it's really not for me. And then I get other people would just say, oh my God, like this is amazing. Um, you know, every, every issue I've had with time management, you've put something in to help solve that. So it's this really, it's either you like it or you don't. And I, I find that a lot of people either sign up after one or one to three days is kind of that sweet spot. Even though I have a 14 day free trial, it's between day one and day three, they either drop off or they just buy it. Um, so so I, I do think there is a place for it. I would love to have like a few people like working with a few other people. That's something I do miss from, you know, corporate is I used to have a team and we had such a good time. Like we got work done, but we had, you know, there was a lot of banter and um, I don't know, just achieving things together with someone else is, is a lot more fun sometimes and on your own. And um, yeah, I would, wouldn't mind doing that again. So, sometimes when I when I have a bit of a moment to celebrate for Llama, or say I'm solving like a difficult coding problem, I'll be sitting there alone. Like, and when I solve it, I'll kind of get up from my chair and I'll be like, yes. And then I'll be like, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> There's no one else here. Like, it's kind of this weird. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had that. It's kind of this weird. Like, you're really you have this celebratory moment, and then you're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just sit back down. I totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll admit that I have uh, by myself like yelled in an enjoyment or or, or an excitement. Punched <laughs> yeah, <the air. laughs> for sure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, this has been really fun, Marie. It's been really interesting to hear about your story, um, and I'm sure the the listeners have have really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, everyone, go check out Llama Life. I'm gonna definitely check it out. Sounds very interesting and intriguing. And uh, I know that uh, I can probably be more productive um, and, and, and stay on task, stay focused. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm going to check it out. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for coming on. And, um, yeah, we'll have all of uh, the links to everything in the show notes. But otherwise, we will talk again in the next episode. See you next week.